Welcome to episode number 35 of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where Christina and I talk about how to be an online coach. This is a one-off episode we're doing due to popular demand where we're getting into all things business, starting a business, growing a business, and having longevity and success in this saturated industry. Whether you're an in-person trainer trying to transition to the online coaching space or just have a passion for health and fitness and want to make your living helping others, we hope that this episode is a good starting place for you and that we direct you to more resources to get your business going because there are a lot of them. As always, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, all we ask is that you share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker who would benefit from it. One share can go a really long way and supports our mission to help as many people as possible to live a healthier, sustainable lifestyle. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode, number 35, How to Be an Online Coach. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, Marissa Roy. And in today's episode, we're going to discuss how to become an online fitness coach. Yeah, so we have gotten a few requests for this from people just like aspiring to take their personal training business online that listen to our podcast. Uh, And just to make a quick disclaimer, this is like a one-off episode. So (laughs) we're not pivoting. We're not becoming a business podcast. We are just going to be touching on this once today because it has been in popular demand. And then, you know, we're going to be right back to just the general lifestyle stuff. But people tend to find this pretty interesting um, just yeah. start, starting your own business and I'm sure there's takeaways from it that will kind of trickle into other aspects of life and other businesses that people could start to yeah I definitely get a lot of people who reach out on Instagram and kind of ask me how I got into this and how uh it, you know our how we got into coaching in the business so I think it'll be nice to just kind of say hey listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Instead of me like sending you 4,000 DMs, then let's just send you this link. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So I guess I'm really excited because I feel like it's a big misconception that like online coaches just like check emails and that's all we do all the time because there's so much more that goes into it, especially on like the income and taxes side of things like we were just talking about this off air like some random details about taxes that like it just everything it it hits you really hard once you actually get into that side of things but there's uh definitely pros and cons to starting your own business but it's really really rewarding so why don't you get us started okay so i think the first thing is first is in order to kind of dive into coaching, you have to have some sort of background with fitness and nutrition. And that doesn't mean that you have to be an expert. And I think that's the number one thing that people get caught up with is they think that, okay, well, I just need to get this cert and I should go back to school and I need this and this. And I think it's incredibly important to have credentials But at the same time, you don't have to continue to push things off and say, oh, well, I'll just start my business when. And so I think, you know, you can start off small and you can take on a client here and there and kind of test the waters and 
I think we'll get into kind of how you can initially really start, but I think it's important to kind of gain some experience too, rather than just diving in and launching um, and having this huge thing and kind of just waiting. I feel like I'm rambling, um, but don't put it off, but have some sort of background. Make sure you're studying. Um, we recommend getting a certification too. Um, so you can get a certification, you can go to school, you can get a um, bachelor's, you can get a master's in like exercise um, science and things like that. Um, but having, again, some sort of background to get you started. Right. And so I think it's really just, you know, when it comes to coaching people and getting started with it, it can be something as simple as like, hey, my sister needs help with her diet. Like, I know some things. Let me just, you know, can you be my guinea pig is a great way to to ask someone for the first time. And for for most circumstances, I will say, if you're just getting started, you don't have an official business yet, you don't really know like if this is really going to be for you, but you want to test the waters, like Christina said, I would just take someone on for free, like one or two clients and just work with them for free. And you might have a really great experience with it or because it's free, they might not really invest in it. But <laughs> like if you test the waters with that, then you can kind of see, okay, where are the gaps in my knowledge? What do I need here? Uh, but yeah, just like a baseline CPT certification, like honestly, I think that it's really important to have a credential. It doesn't have to be, you know, a bachelor's and master's and a bunch of certs, but like just get one certification to start yourself off. And like, you know, you might take on a client while you're studying for your first cert, but like at the beginning of the journey, I would say have something to back you up just because people do put a lot of stock into that and they do want to hire someone that does have credentials and it does back you up legally too. So just having something under your belt, it doesn't have to be the fanciest cert in the world. It doesn't have to be a full degree, but just like start with something. And then if you want to pursue further education officially, because you should always be learning, uh, but if official education in the future, then like, yeah, go for it while you're, you know, building the business, but just some kind of baseline that gives you a specified scope of practice. And so this is really important because when you're an online coach, the, uh, I guess the territory for what you can and can't tell someone to do or prescribe is kind of murky because it's not in-person training. And so we basically just follow the CPT certified personal trainer scope of practice, uh, but we do that online. So that's going to be training and exercise recommendations, form correction, making sure you're exercising effectively and safely, uh, but also nutrition recommendations. That's the big part is it's a CPT is not a nutrition certification. So unless you get a specific nutrition certification, you have to have some sort of disclaimer that your nutrition guidelines are recommendations, not requirements, not prescriptions. That's the job of a registered dietitian. So scope of practice is really important and having a certification can kind of teach you that where your boundaries are. Yeah. And Marissa brought up something that just made me think about is knowing your state that you're going to be working out of. So each state has their own different rules um, on what you can and can't do and kind of your scope of practice. So in I know in some states you can't, I don't think you can actually even say anything about macros or you can't say anything about nutrition unless you're a registered dietitian. So just doing a little bit of research before you dive right in and just make sure that you know what you can and can't legally do and um, kind of who you can and can't work with. 
Right. And a lot of it is is language based. So like the way that you word your recommendations for someone's mm-hmm. macros or diet will matter a lot. It doesn't mean that like if your state says like, you know, registered dietitians do this, trainers do this, that you cannot say a word about nutrition to any of your clients. Like obviously right. it's gonna come up in discussion, but just the way that you present the information needs to be a little different. The way you write a disclaimer needs to be a little different. Um, and just kind of knowing those nuances there. Um, and then I think the other thing to kind of think about and just have in the back of your mind at the beginning of this journey is you want to start to develop a referral network of licensed practitioners that work with things that are outside of your scope, but in theirs. So you want to know a registered dietitian that you trust and align with. You want to know a medical practitioner that you trust and align with. You want a physical therapist. You want a chiropractor, an acupuncturist. You want all of these different things because then you can refer your clients out and say, hey, I trust this person. This is not within my scope of practice, but here go to this person, it's going to drive them business, that person is going to give you business in return. And that client is going to trust you more because they're not, you know, under the illusion that you're this expert in everything. They're like, oh, they like know where their limits are. And they're referring me elsewhere to a true expert. I feel really confident about that. And I'm really glad my trainer did that for me. So it can really benefit you in the long run. Yeah, I agree. And If you go back to our episode on in-person versus online coaching, um, I think that'll dive in a little bit deeper than what we're about to talk about right now. But Marissa and I both have experience with in-person personal training, and we think that that has helped our expertise tremendously. And it makes us just better coaches because we know what clients struggle with in the gym. And again, just having a different type of relationship with your client in person, but that'll help so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I personally have been trying to make a better effort to meet up with some of my local clients for like a lift and then lunch or something. I did that this past weekend. And honestly, like there are still gaps that you're not going to be able to address with online coaching because it's asynchronous. Like you're, you know, you're sending a message, you're getting a response the next day or in a couple hours. And, you know, there, there's breaks between there's, you know, miscommunication. And obviously there can be miscommunication in person too. But, uh, you know, I've, found that there are always going to be gaps and things that aren't 100% clarified through the online experience. Um, So knowing what those gaps might be by having trained some people in person is really, really valuable. Because I will say, and I probably said this in that episode that you referred to, Christina, but the main thing that I've taken away from in-person training is you might be an athlete and you might know, you know, exactly how to move your body and, you know, how to make your form look exactly like the form in the exercise tutorial video that you send people. But that doesn't mean that an unathletic person that has hired you and is doing weightlifting for the first time in their life is going to be able to do the same thing. And they're going to have a much different starting place for mind-body connection. So that seeing that for me was so eye-opening as someone who grew up an athlete and it's a completely different world. So understanding that someone's starting place is just going to be completely different is really an eye-opener with a little bit of in-person experience. It doesn't need to be anything crazy, but like, again, one or two clients that you meet up with for a while and really figure things out and fill in some gaps with where you might be missing stuff for online coaching. 
Yeah. And so you mentioned that you're meeting up with some of your in-person clients or um, online clients in person. And of course, since we're the same person, I've been doing the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, and it, it was really interesting because I think that even just one training session, and it doesn't have to be every single workout that you've given them, just having one, I think it's a little bit different having a coach kind of walk your client through it. And especially again, it's because we've talked about this before, you can address things in real time. And so sometimes a client may be experiencing, you know, I have a question about this, I have a question about that, but when it comes time to check-ins, they've kind of forgotten those things because the workout that they had questions on was Monday and they're checking in on like a Friday. And so they've forgotten everything. So -hmm. it's nice to kind of have that adjustment in real time. And I feel like even just having worked with them for one workout, like that can carry over into all the future sessions. Right, right. Absolutely. So yeah, like I've been trying to make an effort to do that. And it's been really enjoyable too, because like, you know, you feel like you get to know someone and then you hang out with them in person for a day and you're like, oh, like, I feel like I know you so much better now. So um, if you're listening to this and you are in the Northern Virginia area, then please do reach out. I have been making an effort to schedule that uh, pretty regularly now um, because I do have a pretty decent base of my clients in this area. So Um, I guess the next thing would be legal stuff. Uh, So essentially, you want to make sure your business is legal at a certain point. If you are just kind of like, again, testing the waters, taking on one or two free clients, like that's not necessarily the time to go legal. But when you're really, you know, you're in this, you're invested, you're ready to build your roster, and you want to make this your life and your income, you need to be legal, you need to report taxes. Um, So registering your business as an LLC, LLC within the state, going through all of the paperwork, going through the taxes yearly, and reporting all of your income and you know, writing stuff off, having a business bank account, um, all of the above there. I'm sure there are resources that can walk you through this step-by-step, but there's just a lot that goes into that. So start to do some research with it and, you know, kind of, again, knowing your scope of practice disclaimers, what should your legal documents even look like? Um, I'm sure there are templates for that by some sort of fitness guru, legal specialist online, (laughs) but it's all there. And uh, just try to find as much information as you can about starting a business in your state. Uh, Northwestern is a really good resource um, for creating your LLC and they do a lot of the filing for you. Um, So I would recommend if you, again, if you are at that point in your business where you want to go ahead and and open it up and make it legal, uh, Northwestern is a, is a really good resource. Yeah. Yeah. I did mine in 2017. So it was about a year into actually taking on clients. So the first year that I was online training, it was kind of the build up year of like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see if this is something that I can do. And I was able to build up my client roster. I don't know, maybe like to 10 or 15 people by the end of that year. And so January of 2017, uh, about eight months in, I was like, all right, let's go legal. Like, let's make this a real thing. So I've been reporting my taxes ever since. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Um, so once that is kind of set up and you're again, still in those beginning stages of your business, it's really, really important to have solid backend systems. So what this means is you have, you have systems, you have checklists, you have ways to track everything. You have a, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, streamlined? Mm, yeah, everything is streamlined, but you like you have a, a method, like you have a, a strategy for what happens when someone inquires about my coaching. How do I onboard them? How are client check-ins, um, how are they run? Um, how are all those things? Because again, you want to be as efficient as possible because if you feel like you're kind of spinning your wheels with five clients, then you're not going to be able to scale to 20 clients because you feel like you're going to be like, well, I, I don't know how to stay organized. I don't know when someone, so-and-so checks in, how do they check in on this date? And it'll feel just like very, very overwhelming. So even if you only have one or two clients, making sure that it runs effortlessly. Right. And one way that you can do that is just ask the client, like, how was your experience getting onboarded? Like, did you feel like the materials were organized? Did you feel like it was kind of all over the place? And just ask them to be as honest as possible because you are getting this feedback to improve for future clients. And I will say Excel sheets will be your best friend, uh, organizing things, making lists. Like personally, I have a list of all my clients, what day they check in, what service they're paying for how, what they're paid up to, what their next payment date is, when their contract ends, what their main goal is. And like, that's all in one Excel sheet. So like that, for example, is a backend system that keeps me very organized, that helps me track everyone. And now people have come out and created a lot of software systems that can help you with this. So when we first started, there wasn't anything called Trainerize, but they do have that, um, Joelle, uh, shoot, I forget her last name, Joelle. Well, she's um, Joelle Samantha on Instagram. Yeah, I, know, I was going to say I know her handle, but I, I don't know if that's her last name. Um, but she has created a uh, software for trainers as well. Oh, so really? there, it's, yeah, so it's not just Trainerize anymore. There are a lot of different softwares that are uh, being created and they're up and running. So Trainerize is an online platform where you can host your clients, create training programs, um, there's not a whole lot you can do with nutrition yet as far as setting macros and things like that, but it is a good kind of way. I know that Marissa doesn't utilize that, um, but I've started kind of diving into it. And I don't like it personally if I were a client because I'm very old school. <laughs> I like to write things down, um, but a lot of my clients love the app. So it's an online system, but the clients can download it and use it as an app. You can communicate with your clients as well. So there are a lot of really cool things that you can kind of get into with as far as like software and systems. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, there are so many new softwares and resources and things that like there and like, you know, when I started this, it was 2016. Online coaching was a thing, but like there was no mentorship for it. There was no program for it. There was no software for it. It was just, hey, make an Excel sheet and have at it. Like that was the guidance that was given at that time. And so now I'm sitting here like there is no excuse. If this is something that you want to do, you have so many freaking resources to pull from for free because so many resources provide for free. Um, And that's kind of getting into the next topic, but like there is so much that you can learn from, um, for either cheap or free online that will teach you how to really run this in a, in an efficient way, like we were saying, but yeah, backend systems, 
keeping things streamlined, also having policies uh, in place. So policies for, okay, well, what happens when someone gets you a referral? For me, I have a free month for everyone who gets me a, a referral, right? Because that's super incentivizing. It benefits you to get more clients. Uh, Christina nodded, which means we probably have the same uh, policy. What ha- <laughs> what happens when someone ghosts? What happens when someone wants to cancel their contract? Know how to handle those situations. Practice it. Have a script for it because it's gonna happen. Um, so yeah, lots of different things that you can think about there. Um and then that gets into, okay, well, these free resources, et cetera, mentorship and guidance is really prevalent now for this industry and for online coaching. There is, there are online coaches for coaches, there are gurus left and right, but there's also a bunch of free resources. You could also lean on friends who, you know, maybe do this already. So if you are well seated in the industry and you're kind of, you know, people, you can ask them, pick their brain, buy them a coffee. Um, There are group business coaching offers, I'm sure. Um, I personally subscribe to something called the NCGM, which is about $100 a year. And it's a monthly webinar that goes through things like the back end systems, like how to handle client situations and different, you know, nutrition coaching nuances every single month. I love that. Um, It's really great. It's NCGM Nutrition Coaching Global Mastermind, if you want to look that up. But um, tons of different ways that you can invest in mentorship and just make sure that you are investing back into the business. Yeah. And there are tons of podcasts too that you can listen to. And I think what's really cool is Again, when we we talk about when we first started out, there wasn't a whole lot of resources that were geared specifically towards fitness coaches Mm -hmm. and especially online fitness coaches. So a lot of things were more in the personal training world. So now in 2021, there are podcasts that are specifically for online fitness coaches. (laughs) So it's, I mean, it's really cool, but I think again, what happens is you have coaches who um, or business coaches who have niched down. And so they realize that there is a huge market right now for online personal training and, and, and coaching. So, and I think sometimes, and maybe we should have said this at the very beginning that I think people look at the online space right now and think that, well, it's too competitive. Like there are too many coaches, um, you know, there, I, how can I compete with that? But think about how many people there are in the world right now and how many people need help with their fitness, their health and fitness. So if you are able to stand out and we'll talk about social media presence here in a second, um, it's a good segue or segue. Um, but if you're able to, again, niche down, find a ideal client that you really like to work with and you try to become the best coach that you possibly can be, you're going to attract clients that are not going to go to another coach because they think they look at you and they think, well, that's the coach for me. Um, so don't be scared and think that there is no room for you in this space because there absolutely is. Right. Like I like to always think of it as this industry is saturated, but it's not high quality. It's not competitive, right? right? So there's a lot of online coaches out there, but ultimately not all of them are utilizing the free resources. Not all of them are investing back into their businesses. Not all of them are creating streamlined backend systems and allowing themselves to actually grow and scale. And what I found too is the number of people that have actually made online coaching into a living 
is a lot fewer than the online coaches who kind of just say that they're an online coach on Instagram and have like three clients and they're just like, meh, like this is cool and all. I'm just going to put up a front so that I look cool online. And I find that to be very, very prevalent. And I think it's kind of like opened my eyes to the fact that there's not a lot of people that have like fully, you know, put their whole, like put everything into it and made it their, their full-time gig. And so there are, there is a lot of room. And so if those people that aren't investing back don't have systems, don't have organization, like they're only going to be able to take on a handful of people too. And I like to really think of like for every coach that there is, there's probably a hundred people that that person could help like per, per year. Right. And so like, there, you have an unlimited audience and there's always going to be a new person to reach. Um, and so transitioning into social media, whatever your following is right now, whether it's 2000, a hundred thousand or 200 people, you have that many people to reach and talk to and, and potentially gain as clients. And I like to think of if you, especially if you have a really small following and you're like, well, I can't do this because I don't social media. Think about having those 200 people sitting in an auditorium listening to you talk. That is what the power of social media is. That's overwhelming. That's a big crowd. But when we look at our following on social media, oh, it's only 200 people. Then like, yeah, it seems underwhelming, but you have a base and you have a unique audience of people that you can now reach (coughs) that are, (laughs) bless you. Thank you. And uh, that are really, you know, unique to you. They want to listen to you. They already follow you. And so you have this, this base for people that could be your potential clients. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. You want to go a little bit into social media? Yeah. So again, I think a lot of people, when they first get into it, there's, there's one of two ways they think that, oh, well, this is kind of like my personal page. So I'm going to go create a new page that is for my fitness coaching. And it's, you know, if you have like Marissa was saying, 200, 300 followers and they're friends and family, it might be embarrassing to put yourself out there and to start this new page. Um, I, again, I wish that someone had kind of walked me through this, but I was so embarrassed and created a anonymous account. I didn't want anyone to know it was me. I hid my face like, and it was more so not because I wanted to get into coaching, but I just wanted to hold myself accountable in the fitness space. And that was back in like 2014. So Instagram was still fairly new. Like all the Um, like old filters and stuff that we use, like that kind of new. (laughs) Right. When we would post pictures of our melted quest bars (laughs) and um, I feel like some people might be like, what the hell is she talking about? (laughs) But if you're an OG fitness person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, But yeah, back back in the day, (laughs) again, I'm showing my age, but that's kind of where I started. And again, it wasn't because... I didn't want to, I didn't know I wanted to get into coaching. It was just more of a accountability for me. But now if I was going to go into it and start a business, I actually wouldn't create a separate account. I would just kind of convert my current page and just kind of, you might even do like an announcement page, like, Hey, I'm, um, I'm pivoting <laughs> and I'm going to be talking a little bit more about fitness and nutrition. This is where my passion lies. And if you don't want to follow me, like you can go ahead and unfollow but you're taking your current audience. And again, 
they have some sort of connection with you already. And those are potential clients, like Marissa was saying. And I think when you were first starting out, more than likely you're going to have people who are friends and family who might want to work with you first, especially because I feel like sometimes for some people, they don't want to work with a stranger. They want to work with someone that they have a connection with already, that they have some sort of relationship. So don't feel like you have to create something new because your Aunt Betty is not going to like your fitness post. <laughs> um, if she doesn't like it, she can unfollow. But you you want to take your current audience and just kind of build and go from there. Yeah. And, and on that note, you know, people want to hire someone that they have a connection with. That's where social media comes into play when it comes to getting clients. And so, you know, you might think, well, at a gym, you know, you personal train and, you know, we might have some in-person trainers looking to transition to listening to this mm-hmm. episode. So I'm kind of thinking of them like, well, after I bring all my clients from the gym to online, then how do I get more like referrals? Yes. You definitely will get referrals, especially if you're doing a good job and you're just investing into your people, uh, which is why I always really like to focus on like, yes, while you might be scaling, make sure you're putting everything you have into the clients that you currently have. But to get more clients, you have to really show up on social media in some way, shape or form, because that's how people are going to build a relationship with you. That's how they're going to build trust with you. And while it might be one sided, because it's like, basically, you're talking to the camera, you're talking to a full audience of of faces and usernames that you don't know, these people are listening to you, watching you building trust with you, laughing at you with your jokes, and like really becoming your friend on their side of things. And they they feel like they're connected to you. And so it's really interesting. Like when I get on these new client consultation calls and it's kind of like, they know everything about me because I post it all the time, mm-hmm. but I know nothing about them. So then it's really great because I get to just ask questions. I get to just learn from that person and learn about that person instead of having to talk about myself because they already know me at that point. Right. So that's really cool because when you build trust with people, that are strangers over time and they've hit the follow button on you. They've taken that step to watch your content and then they start to see that you know what you're talking about and you keep building on that. They're eventually going to hire you when you bring them in with a call to action. And then, you know, you, you basically are able to bring in clients that way. So what I recommend is just show up, talk on your stories. That's why I'm literally talking for like five minutes on my stories every day. Um, be present on social media, engage with the people that are engaging with you. So if someone replies to your story with heart eyes for a picture of food that you posted, like just say something back. Don't just like the post, but like write a response back. Say like, oh yeah, like that recipe is my favorite. Like, did you want me to send you the recipe? Something like that. And you can really start to get people engaged and they'll see you as a person and not a username. Yeah. So all really, really good points. And so I think when it comes to social media, the other thing too is while it is very exciting and you might want to push your coaching in every single post, you want to make sure that you are putting out good quality content. And so you want to make sure that you are educating your audience, again, whether it's 20 people, 200, 2,000, 200,000, you want to make sure that you're educating them, you're entertaining them, you're sharing parts of your life and keeping some things private. I think that some people share quite a bit. Um, But 
sharing what you're comfortable with, but really focusing on the quality of your content and making sure every time you write a post, you're thinking like, who is this serving? How are, how is my audience being helped and what are they going to get out of this? So a lot of what you give out to your audience is going to be free. And like Marissa was saying, that's how you build authority and that's how you build trust. And that's how you gain that kind of like, oh, okay, well, I, I can come to this page and I know that I'm going to get something out of it. And I'm going to continue coming back and continuing to check in with this person because I, I like, and I relate with them. And it might take you a month or two. It might even take you years to finally kind of convert someone into a client. Like I've had people literally who on my application will say, I've been following for years, but I'm now finally at a point that I feel like I'm ready to work with you. And so it's a, it's a long game. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to be in this for a long time. Yeah. I, I love what you said about uh, just making sure that you put out content that is useful because if you announce online coaching and then all of your posts are just like, click the link in my bio to apply. I offer one, one-on-one coaching, click the link in my bio, apply now. Like no one's going to apply because they're not getting anything. They're just seeing an ad over and over again. So like, while it might be tempting to just plug that service, have a caption that's useful with lots of information and, you know, has stuff that you can take away. And then at the bottom, click the link in my bio to apply for coaching. Right. And so Think about useful content first, like Christina said, and then make sure you are plugging the service because otherwise people won't know that you provide it, but do both instead of only focusing on one or the other. Yeah. And there's a, I mean, we could go into a completely different podcast on how to structure your content and all of that. So we're not going to get that far into it, but you know, there is definitely a strategy when it comes to social media presence, but I think that at the end of the day, you don't have to hire a business coach if you don't want to, that if you just kind of have this like, well, if I'm providing education and I'm serving my audience, then that's going to help you so much more than just trying to make sure that you're like, I don't know, not, not tricking people into coaching. I don't want to think of it that way, but I think some business coaches can be a little bit sleazy, but I think at the end of the day, if you have your audience in mind, and you want to serve them and educate them, then that's going to take you so much further. Right. It's all about what's at the heart, right? So like when it comes to online coaching and social media presence, which go hand in hand, ultimately, if your intention is to serve others and to help others, and that's why people get into this is they like to help others with health and fitness. If you're getting into this because you want a, a lucrative business with lots of money, then, you know, maybe this isn't the right path for you because ultimately this is a passion centered occupation. And if the passion and the love and the care for others is not there, you can easily lose yourself in the numbers. You can start to see people as dollar signs. And then that's where everything really does go downhill and people can see through that. They can feel that energy. And so what you really want to do is just Focus on serving your people, whether that's the one person that you have as a client for free, or if that's the 20 people that follow you on Instagram, serve them, give them useful stuff and don't have an ulterior motive. And that will go for your in-person interactions, your online interactions and your social media. And if you keep that at the heart of your business, you will grow and you will get better and you will have to kind of bring yourself down from that ledge 
over and over again throughout your journey. I know for me, especially as I've seen really good growth in my business and, you know, I've gone from my main client base being 10 people to 20 people to now around 30 people, like it's just, you know, oh, I see a spike in my bank account. This is super exciting. I want to go, you know, buy fancy things and and flex and, you know, get more money. You have to pull yourself off that ledge and you have to remind yourself, why am I doing this? You know, and, and remind yourself with the wins that your clients have, what they're telling you about how they've changed their lives and let that fulfill you. Don't let the money become the driver for what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that we probably should have opened the podcast with that, is that, <laughs> that you should do this for your clients and to help and serve others and not money. Uh, right. The money will come. And yeah, of course, that's not to say that you shouldn't invest in a business coach or you shouldn't try to grow and scale your business. Because of course, like if you want to be able to do this for a living, to be able to do it full time and the more, typically the more people you serve, the more money you make typically. Right. Um, and again, it's not to say that money is bad or money is evil or anything like that. It's it's definitely a necessity. Um, but the clients and their well-being should be your number one thought. It should be at the forefront with everything that you do. Right. And not to get wrong either that this business can be very lucrative if you're Mm -hmm. doing it with the right intentions. And I think what really what really sticks out to me, having now been in this for, you know, five and a half or so years, is that if the heart of your business is there, the longevity is there. So like you might not make six figures in your first year, but you know, you're going to be able to get there and you're going to be able to sustain doing this for a very, very long period of time when, when the heart is in the right spot. I agree. Um, so I think we should transition to kind of talking about boundaries and structure within your business. So yes, my favorite. <laughs> do you want to take off with this? Oh, uh, no, go ahead. All right. So I think, and, and Marissa and I have actually had a lot of conversations about this because when you are just starting out, it is hard to have quote unquote like normal work hours because you might have to put a little bit more effort up front in the beginning to get things up and running, especially if you're like passionate about it and you want to do it because it does take a little bit of time. I mean, you're studying, you're trying to get your certifications, you're trying to get everything you need, like we were talking about before, your back end systems, getting all of those things up and running. So you might not have typical work hours. You might be working on the weekends. You might have long nights and you're not really going to have a lot of that work-life balance. But I think that in the very beginning, that's kind of to be expected when you're starting a new business. So when you get to a point though, when you are, you know, you've got a decent roster, it's really important to have work hours, not only for yourself, but also that your clients understand because And I used to be like this, that I used to feel like I had to have, especially because it was online, that your clients needed to have 24-7 access to you and you needed to respond within, you know, three minutes. Otherwise, (laughs) you're you're the worst, you know, coach ever. And so I used to set these really high expectations for myself. And not only is that going to burn you out, but you're not creating boundaries that are healthy between you and your clients and your clients can start to rely on you and not try to be self-reliant or um, on 
kind of themselves and figure things out on their own. Um, so work hours for yourself and also that your clients understand. So that might look like, again, depending on, on your schedule and what you want, uh, could be Monday through Friday, you know, eight to eight to five or something like that. Maybe you do have a office hours or something on the weekends. If that's again, something that you find is okay and boundaries for you. Um, but I think it's really important and always, always, always set that expectation in the very beginning. Um, make your clients aware of that um, because you don't want them to say, well, I didn't know I couldn't do this. So let that be very upfront in the beginning. Right, right. So yeah, I guess just to give an example, because that's just a really good overview of the whole topic. So I'm at the point now where I am full remote for everything that I do, whether that's work, school, just life. Um, and so I do run my own schedule. And so my, my work hours right now are pretty much eight to four. Sometimes I run over to like 4.30, but I'm never working at five. And I have a bad habit of like looking for email responses while I'm like on the way to the gym and like refreshing that on my phone. But like by the time I'm at the gym, I am done working for the day. And that is a boundary that I've set very, very hard uh, because it, it wasn't me for the longest time. I think I've really only been a stickler to this in 2021, if I'm being totally honest. And other than that, I mean, it's been improving over time. But like, like you said, at the very beginning, like I was texting people back immediately. And so this goes for text messages too. I know you don't provide your phone number. I don't give it out at the beginning of like any interaction with my clients. But if they say, I have these form videos, how do you want me to get them to you? If emailing them is just turning into this big old hassle, I'm just like, here, just text it to me. But what I do have for that policy is I save that message at the top of my messages. And I make sure that I only respond to that form correction, those those exercise videos during the work hour. So what I'll usually do is like at the start of my workday, I'll get on my phone, look at my messages, make sure I'm not missing anything, and then respond to all the clients as needed. So it's always within that structure. And it is again, in the protocol packet in the in the materials that we give the clients at the beginning, it says boundary structure, like or whatever the title of the page is, these are the work hours that I'm going to be able to respond to you at. If you get your check-in late, you can expect a response the next day within those hours. But, you know, this is when you're going to be able to contact me because obviously we are humans and we need breaks too. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Marissa mentioned that I don't give my phone out, uh, my phone number out. I don't. I just think that texting is, I think that people can tend to rely on it and feel like they have quicker access to you. And I have all my communication through email. I have a Facebook group and if they do need to, if I have clients that have a little bit of higher access to me, I do use Voxer. Um, so that is something that I utilize and uh, of course, you know, DMs and Instagram as well. But personally, I just think that that is a boundary for me. Um, and so all my clients know that and that's just the expectation that I have up front. Yeah, I will say that since I've implemented the work hours, the texts that I get are like literally just videos or like yeah. if it's like something a client's just like, I really just had to share this amazing win with you, like that kind of stuff I'm happy to get. But like right. um, it's been very respectful, which I, I if you're listening to this and you're my client, I greatly appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been nice to just have my phone for like mainly personal use. And so that's kind of like where I said that. If I, I might change to Voxer in the future, who knows? But um, for now, it's what works. Um, 
So yeah, uh, work hours. And then also like making sure when you get to a certain point, I think, you know, like you said, initial parts of building a business, it's going to be busier, especially if you already have a job and you're trying to do this on the side before you can do it full time. You're going to be working after your regular work hours. You're going to be working on the weekends. When I was in a very unbalanced time in my life, I was pretty much, you know, doing my business Monday through Friday. And then I had to do schoolwork on the weekends because I had no time to do it during the week. So there's going to be a time where it's not balanced. But what I like to really think about is long-term balance. So the effort and the time that you're putting in now is investing into the future to where you're going to be able to have much more of a work-life balance when you do get everything set, when you do get in a routine, you do have uh, just more structure and when it is your full-time gig. So it just, it takes time, but like investing in, I guess, I guess a longer term balance and setting yourself up for a good future in the business can help you with that. But when you do get to that point, strongly recommend vacations, making sure to take actual weekends, maybe even long weekends, because ultimately, like, when you run your own business, and when you coach clients online, there will always be more to do. You are always going to have a list of things that's like, sitting there and like, oh, well, I could work on this project, or I could fill time with this project. But remember that you need to have a personal life, you need to invest in your interpersonal relationships, and you need support into your own cup, whether that's with training, your own nutrition, uh, your own personal and social life, uh, rest, recovery, all of the above. If you're not doing that, then you will burn out very quickly. So it's very important to make sure that you do get in breaks and time off and, and making sure to schedule that in. Yeah. So there's, yeah, it, there's always something that you can do. There's, you could update your website. You can work more on your systems. You can create more resources. You can check in with your clients. You can create a resource library. You can do like, there's so much, there's always something. And so I used to struggle with this because I had a lot of anxiety when it came to that, because it felt like nothing was ever complete. And so that was really difficult for me because I am very much like a task person. I like checking things off. And, you know, while that's all good for the day, I just felt this like, oh my gosh, but there's so much more. <laughs> and so it it's weird, but it helped me tremendously to have, you know, on the weekends, I have no check-ins anymore. I used to be the complete yeah. opposite because I worked full time and it was very difficult for me to do any work on the weekend or the weekdays. And I'm a lot better at that now, but I have no check-ins on the weekends anymore. And that has made my, my workload so much better. And I, again, like you, like you said, I make sure I take complete days off where, yeah, maybe I might respond here and there, but it's, it's no check-ins. And I have had times where I was revamping my website and I wanted to just kind of get it all done right away. And so I did it in a couple days on the weekend versus just kind of, um, spreading it out and taking this like too long of a project. So again, there, there are always going to be days where you might have to work a little bit longer. You might have to work weekends, but generally speaking, having that structure has just made it really, really nice for me. And like Marissa was saying, you, if 
you are burnt out and you are struggling and you feel like you don't have any time to yourself, then you're not going to show up as the best coach for your clients. So while it may seem like the opposite to take time away from your clients, if you recharge and you feel like, you know, you're ready to go by the time you sit down and ready, you're ready to answer check-ins, you're going to be a lot more refreshed and ready to provide for others. So while it may seem counterproductive towards your business, it is extremely important for you to show up as your best self. Yeah, uh, I'm the same. So I stopped doing weekend check-ins probably like a year and a half to two years ago. And like, especially now, like I'll go Saturday and Sunday without touching Mm -hmm. work. And right now I'm in a place where I can do that because school hasn't started back up, but uh, it's really, really nice. So like just enjoying the time that you do have and understanding that it's not always going to be there, but you do need to have it in certain phases of life and phases of your business. Yeah. Um, so going back again to having that structure in your business, and we've, we've touched on this a a little bit is to have expectations set up in the beginning. So this allows you to not have you let down your clients because again, you, you set that expectation at the beginning. This is what I expect of my clients here. My, my working hours, um, here is when I expect check-ins to be sent by, And you can have, instead of having to go over that with every single client up front, having a protocol packet. And, you know, there are so many ways you can do this. Canva is amazing. There are lots of templates on Etsy that you can purchase and kind of plug in your content. Um, But, and it's also a nice, a nice little like welcome packet to kind of let your clients know like, Hey, this is about me. Here's some resources. Here's what I expect. Here's how the check-in process works. Um, And then also, you know, some people I know do onboarding um, calls with their clients to kind of just go over everything and just say, this is how we'll do moving forward. So it's up to you how you kind of want to do that. But I think having everything written is really important in a protocol packet. Yeah. Yeah. And just making sure. So this kind of goes into the main last point that we're going to touch on is kind of just learning as you go and learning from your mistakes. So with the protocol packet, understand that it is going to need to be revised and revised over and over and over again, because you're going to learn where the gaps are. Like if you, for example, uh, have a protocol packet, but you find that all of your clients are just like missing their check-in time or day, then you understand that you need to better set up how that information is presented in the packet so that it's not missed. You know, if, if you say this is the time and day that you need to check in by, make it bigger, make it in bold face, make sure that you go over it in your onboarding call, like whatever you need to do, you're going to learn from mistakes like that so that you can better streamline everything. Because again, if you have your clients checking in left and right, not understanding what to do, what to send in their check-ins, you're going to have a hell of a time giving them advice. And so making sure that things are set up up front, but then also making sure to revise it as you see the gaps come up because you're really only, and this goes for every aspect of coaching, whether it's something on an Excel sheet or issues that a client runs into, you're going to constantly find that there's resistance somewhere to something, whether it's the way that you give someone macros or the way that you present this information or how you explain a certain thing or the resources that you provide, you're going to get resistance or issues coming from your clients and you'll see trends. The more clients that you help, you're going to notice, oh, this keeps happening. And when something keeps happening between different individuals, it's likely got something to do with 
not them, but you know, you as a coach, something that you're providing or doing or saying that needs to change. And so just understanding that it's a constant learning process. So that's why we do encourage at the very beginning of this episode, just start, just work with one or two people because you're going to be able to run through some of those issues at the very beginning. And it's just going to keep getting better and better. And then that way, eventually you're going to get to a point where uh, people are going to be very clear on the protocol once they read the packet and they're going to have no trouble sending in their first check-in with everything included. Personally, I've gotten to that point. Finally, uh, like I send someone a packet, they have no questions if they read it, like literally none. And, uh, it's pretty cool. Like how you can get to that place where you're like, I'm pretty much covered everything, but you know, if I change my method a little, then I'll probably need to add something else to the packet. But like for now, yeah. Yeah. And so I think what's, what we keep saying, like, just start, just start because action is better. Messy action is better than inaction. So like she was saying, you can always fine tune that if something's not working, okay, well now you just learn that it's not working and we'll shift, we'll pivot (laughs) and we'll figure out what we can do to make it better. So just start. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing that I was saying about, you know, as your methods change, you know, things are going to, you know, you're going to open up ways to improve. And I really want to hit on this is when you're building your business and you're building your branding and how you message your clients through social media and your potential clients, do not build your brand on a method. What I mean by that is you don't want to be the intermittent fasting guy. You don't want to be the keto guy. You don't want to be... um, Miss Booty Band Girl or whatever, right? Because like (laughs) then you're built on a method that can't be changed because people are coming to you for that and for that only. And so what we really recommend is don't die on that hill, you know, build your method on or build your business on helping your clients in whatever method is going to suit them. Because one method is going to work for someone and another method is going to work for someone else. Hmm, Interesting. What? Finding out what works best for that client. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like, what? Why are you making that face? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, but but really, like, it really has to be an individual client-centered approach. And there's a lot more resources coming out that are more geared towards client-centered coaching, uh, which is good because we need that. But that's why, you know, I have some clients that track their macros. I have some clients that only track their protein. I have some clients that don't track anything at all, but we're monitoring hunger and fullness and focusing on some principles. There's a number of different ways that you can do things with different people and you have to learn how to meet them where they're at because the number one thing that stops people from actually succeeding in this journey is just being overwhelmed with like too much information, too many things to change at once. And if you change too many things at once, you might be able to do it for a little while, but you're probably going to burn out and then you're going to go back to literally doing nothing. And so meeting people where they're at, finding what their learning curve is like, and then going at that pace and changing one small thing at a time at their pace is going to show you that you're going to have to coach people in a number of different ways. But ultimately, if you're not built on the hill of the ketogenic diet and you're not built on, you know, the intermittent fasting structure, you're not going to run into issues if that method doesn't work for that one person. Right. So. Right. 
Um, and so the next point you have kind of, I think, feeds off into that. And so remember that coaching is a collaborative process. So you need to make sure that you're communicating well, you're steering the client in the right direction with their fitness. And rather than it just being like, well, you're not doing what I told you, like you need to do this. Like coaching, we might feel like, yes, we are an authority figure in the field, but we don't need to be like a, you know, a dictator as you're, you're coaching. You don't want your clients being scared of you or feeling like if they don't have a perfect check-in that you're going to be mad, you're going to be disappointed. Um, so all of those things, it's, it's important to make sure that they are in, they just had a cat jump into my lap, um, that they are involved in the coaching process and they can let you know how they're feeling, what's working, what's not working. If they need to change something that, you know, you're asking, open-ended questions, not just yes or no. And, um, you're, you know, you're really there to, to help them through and to troubleshoot because, you know, that's why they're, they're coming to you is because they don't know and they need help and they feel stuck. So, um, you know, helping them throughout the process. Right. And I think one mistake that I know we've both made and that we struggle with all the time because we want to just help and fix Mm -hmm. and be that person that they can rely on. Ultimately, we have to also acknowledge that our clients are the expert on their own bodies and their own mind. Uh, they They know themselves better than we ever will, especially through an online platform. And so while our, our job is to help and to guide and to coach, uh, we can't do that unless the client understands that they are in the driver's seat. So with, when it comes to open-ended questions and motivational interviewing, that's a whole nother can of worms that we can't even start to open. But essentially just asking the person, how does this make you feel? What, what about this method do you think is working? What about this method do you think is not working? Where do you feel you have room for improvement? And that client is going to basically answer the question and find solutions on their own by basically having you as a sounding board. And then when the time comes, you can then ask, okay, well, would you like to hear some options for how to better move forward with this that is evidence-based and and science-backed? And the client says, sure, I'd love to hear what my options are. That's when you can provide the solutions, not immediately when, oh, I'm having this problem. Oh, here's the solution. No, you have to have a conversation about it. And so that's where live calls really come in handy. That's where video messaging comes in handy. Um, And just making sure that the client knows that this isn't a dictatorship. And a lot of that is setting the expectation on their end, because you know that you're going to be asking these questions and you're going to be like, what do you think is best? But if the client thinks, well, I'm just going to do whatever Marissa tells me to do, then that's not going to be a helpful process because they don't understand that they are in the driver's seat and we are in the passenger seat. So we need to be better as online coaches about setting the expectation that we are there to listen and we're there to provide options and guidance after the client has had their say and has been able to voice everything that they they need to and understanding that ultimately they are making the decision from the options that you give them, not you. You're not just going to say, oh, you're having this problem, change that. Because what's going to happen? The client will say, oh yeah, I guess I've never thought of that before. And then next week, how did making that change go? Oh, I just, I couldn't, I didn't do it. And then they're just, what? They're just going to feel like a failure. So um, it's really, really important that it does become a process of 
asking, eliciting, and then allowing the client to make a decision that feels right and then moving forward from there. Yeah. And I also think it's really important that if you have a client who says something like, well, you know, I am struggling with this. I don't know what to do. And if that is like we talked about before, if that's out of your scope of practice, if that's something that you have no idea, that's okay. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, but you know what? Let me figure it out for you. Or let me see if I can find some resources or let me see if I can connect you with someone who does know the answers to that. That it's okay. You don't have to be this person who knows everything, you know, an expert on everything. Um, and that's better than trying to kind of like fumble your way through or Google something and try to come up with an answer just because you're a coach and you want to always have the answer to everything. So, uh, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be an expert at everything and to just say, you know what, I don't know, but I'll figure it out for you. Right. And ultimately knowing that you're not the expert at everything and acknowledging that you're not the expert on your client. Your client might think, oh, like Christina and Marissa, they're gurus. Like if I hire them, like they're just going to solve everything for me and know everything about me. Like, no, again, you are the expert on your own body. We're there to learn about you as best we can and then help to advise from there. But ultimately, only you can know if something's working or not working, right? And so it's really about that communication and to build on that communication aspect, you have to find easy and simple ways for your client to fill out information and give you information. So like, for example, if you have a check-in form on your website, then you also have an Excel that they're supposed to sell, uh, send you by email. And then they're also supposed to fill in their training program on Trainerize. And they're supposed to do that once per week. That is a lot of moving parts for that client to deal with. And while some people might be able to do that, you want to make basically, and this goes back to streamlining, streamline an easy and simple way for your client to fill and process information. So for me, that's why I haven't made that transition to an app yet, just because I know I would still be kind of doing an app and an Excel sheet. And so I don't want my clients like, going back and forth between things, knowing what to fill out, what no, not knowing what not to fill out. And so I keep kind of everything on one big sheet that has multiple tabs, but like essentially you know where everything is and it's all in one place. So as long as you have that Excel sheet, you have every single piece of data on yourself. That's not the only way to do things. But what I would say is if it doesn't feel simple setting it up, and doesn't feel simple like sending it or explaining it to a client of how they should be checking in, then there's probably some kind of room for improvement in terms of how how easy is it for them to communicate with you. Because ultimately the goal is you want them to give you information. And if they are not giving you information, you know, in a way that feels natural or easy to them, they're not going to give you enough. And so they're going to be more concerned about scrambling to fill out this form and that form and that form than they're going to be about just sitting down and opening up. Right. So. Right. Right. If they're more concerned about getting everything in on a specific time and that doesn't work for them, or like you mentioned before, they have all these moving parts and then they're so concerned with actually getting their check-in in that they don't spend time to actually provide information, then it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter that they sent their check-in if they're not being able to communicate everything with you. Right. 
right. Um, so I think we we covered a lot, um, and I, I think we covered that a lot quicker than we anticipated. Yes. But essentially, like, to go back to just how to be an online coach, I think I like that what I said about, you know, have the heart of the business be about helping people and, and it's really a passion project. I'm glad it was in the middle because all of you who, uh, you know, were maybe just in it for the money got to the middle of the episode. <laughs> then you got hit with that. We didn't lose you right at the beginning, but um, really just making sure that the root at the root of all this, if you are doing your best to serve the people that hire you, you are going to do a great job. And figuring out all the little nuances and details and LLCs and taxes and pricing and packets and all of this stuff, they're all parts that have to be done. But ultimately, if you're guided by the passion that you have for helping others, you're going to pretty much find your way. Um, It probably can take you a lot less time than it took me. I'll say that for sure, because I learned very slowly across the years because there weren't resources like there are now but um yeah kind of just taking the time up front get started remember your why and and why you love helping people and uh just make sure to keep investing back in i think is a good theme overall to all of this is if you focus on investing money time resources energy back into your business it's going to pay out uh, in the long run because it's just making the quality of the experience better for your clients and people will just have more great things to say about you and your systems and your processes uh once they you know they leave the nest right like they fly away and and mama bird has let her kids go (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i think that's a, a really good um kind of closing thoughts. And I think to kind of go off of that, it's really important that you continue learning and you continue changing your methods. Like Marissa was saying that you don't get stuck on one single thing that this is the only thing that works or, um, you know, everything that you are constantly evolving because research is continuing to evolve. We learn more things and we learn how to fine tune and to, like Marissa saying, go with evidence-based and you're not always going to know the answers and you might need to try and kind of experiment sometimes with clients and try to figure out what works for them. But I think it's important that you continue learning and, you know, you're making sure that you're getting additional certifications or you're keeping up on research, um, that you, you know, you subscribe to mass, like there, there's so many things that you can do, but just continue your learning process that you're not just, well, I'm a coach and that's it. I know everything I need to know. Um, continue that process. And the other thing, closing thoughts is like Marissa was saying, when we first started coaching, there weren't the resources that we have nowadays. And because there are a lot of people that are very successful coaches that you can learn from and kind of close the gap for how long it took us to get where we are right now, that you can probably do it a lot quicker (laughs) and with a lot less mistakes and things like that, that you can get to a really good point really early on. um, So you can scale a lot quicker. And so learning from someone who is where you want to be. um, So I think that's really important. And if you're not good at something, you can outsource. If you don't like, you know, you don't need a fancy website. You don't need fancy logos. You don't need all that to get started. But if you get to a point in your business where you want that, and that's not your strong point, then you can outsource. You can find someone who is good at that. If you don't like 
Um, I mean, there's a lot of things if you don't, if you don't like writing programming, then you probably should, shouldn't be a coach. Um, but you know, just certain things in your business. If you don't like, um, taking sales calls after a while, if you're at a point where, um, you can have someone else do that for you. Like there are a lot of things that you can kind of outsource and have someone do for you. Um, so don't be afraid to ask for help and kind of continue learning. So those are my closing thoughts. And of course doing it for helping people, not because of the money, the money will come, but that should be at the forefront of your business. Right. Right. I was going to say, if you don't like making merch, we were just talking about a a new website we found that like kind of does that for you. So literally there is a market for fitness coaches for everything that we do now. Um, Like there is outsourcing for literally, like obviously for, for taxes, you can have a CPA. um, But like on top of that, like there's business coaches on the legal side, there's business coaches for just scaling your business. There's websites to help you, you know, make and, and produce merch for, for your clients that you don't have to worry about shipping. There's, apps for sales funnels there's so much (laughs) apps for programming for your clients so you don't have to like make a bunch of excel she's like there's literally like a market for every aspect of fitness coaching now so you really just kind of have to look for it yeah so that's kind of all I have for today so you know we hope that you really enjoyed this episode and learned a lot and if you do have any other questions about coaching that we didn't cover feel free to reach out to any of us um or the Yeah, I was just going to say, like, if we mention a resource that was, like, specific and you need information about it, because I'm not going to list every single thing we talked about here in the show notes, uh, just message one of us, like, hey, what did you mean by this? Or, you know, could you send me the website for NCGM or whatever? Just, like, reach out, please. Yeah. Or uh, you can message the the podcast Instagram, so Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. Um, but yeah, so we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Lynn Fit and Marissa is at Marissa Roy Fitness. Thank you guys so much for listening and we hope to see you back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.